You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, October 14th, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor, Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH, how's it going, my friend? Going well, buddy. Drinking a Heineken on a Thursday. Uh, Can't complain. (laughs) Excellent. I love it. We are also joined by contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland CP. What's the word from the 216? What up, boys? (laughs) All was well in the 216. Just got, it's been a long day. Just got back. I just poured myself a stiff cocktail, the Ohio State cocktail glass, and happy to be on with you, boys. <laughs> I love it. We're ready. Locked and loaded. Excellent. Well, as everybody knows, we are at the midway point of Ohio State's 2021 football season. Uh, this is only our second podcast, by the way, of the season. We we understand we've been woefully short on content here. We're going to try and do better for our loyal listeners the second half of the season. Now, the Buckeyes have this weekend off, but will return to action against Indiana in Bloomington next Saturday, October 23rd. That game's going to be played in prime time. The Buckeyes are 5-1, and one, as we all know, ranked sixth in both the AP and coaches polls. They are one of five Big Ten teams currently ranked in the top 10 of the AP poll, along with Iowa, at number two, Penn State number seven, Michigan number eight, and Michigan State at number 10. This is the first time, boys, in the history of the AP poll, which has been around since 1936, that five Big Ten teams have cracked its top 10, which is kind of ironic. I was just thinking about this. If we go back a year and you think all the guff the Big Ten took for you know canceling the season and restarting it and all the doomsday stories about the Big Ten's finished and Kevin Warren and where's the Big Ten go from here, all that stuff. And here they are having like one of their best seasons as a conference so far. So what a difference a year makes. Now, if we're to believe those rankings, Ohio State has three top 10 opponents remaining on its regular season schedule. And that does not include a potential matchup with number two, Iowa, who's the heavy favorite to emerge out of the West in the Big Ten title game. Now, I'm not entirely sure any of those future opponents are actually worthy of those lofty rankings, but I think it's fair to assume they're all solidly in the top 25 and should make for a very tough gauntlet for the Buckeyes to run unscathed. More on that in a moment. It was a very eventful first half of the season for the Buckeyes, which included the in-season demotion of Kerry Combs as defensive coordinator. Matt Barnes, the secondary coach, is now calling the defense, which has looked much improved over the last three weeks. A youth movement led by true freshmen Travion Henderson, Denzel Burke, Tyleek Williams, Emeka Ibuka, JT Tui Malowau, Jack Sawyer, along with redshirt freshmen Cam Martinez and sophomores Ronnie Hickman, Lathan Ransom, and Cody Simon. Boys, the future is now for those young players at Ohio State. They're all playing major roles for the Buckeyes this season. And kind of part and parcel with that, we had the departures of senior linebackers Kayvon Pope, who did it in style. I think we could all admit to that. And Dallas Gant. I mean, who's going to forget uh, Pope's infamous sideline tantrum and his tweets from the locker room during the Akron game? Both Pope and Dallas Gant are in the transfer portal. We also had as a major storyline from the first six weeks, a reinvigorated C.J. Stroud, who has returned from a one-week break against Akron uh, to rest that throwing shoulder to look very much like a legitimate Heisman candidate. Finally, I think the biggest storyline perhaps is an Ohio State offense that is on a record-setting pace, averaging 48.5 points and 563 yards per game. Gentlemen, listen to this. 
those averages would be not only new school records, but the yards per game average would also be a new Big Ten record. And Ohio State is currently averaging the same number of points and slightly more yards per game than Alabama's offense last year. And those averages are nearly identical to LSU's offense in 2019. Now, many people regarded the 2019 LSU offense, the greatest college offense of all time. Well, this Ohio State offense is on that same pace. All those numbers are courtesy of 11 Warriors, by the way. Okay, all of that said, gentlemen, I'd like to know as we sit here today on October 14th, how each of you are feeling about Ohio State at the midway point of the season. Paige, I want to start with you. Definitely different than the first three games. I mean, this is the team I think we all expected, probably shouldn't have expected it, but they look really good. Now, Mm -hmm. we all, the competition hasn't been, you know, the highest level maybe these last three games, but they they definitely figured some things out for Mm -hmm. sure. It's It's a totally different team. Whatever they're doing on defense, who's playing, you know, calling plays, obviously that made a tremendous difference. I think they're figuring out who their best players are. That makes a huge difference. Um, The youth movement, like you mentioned, that makes a huge difference. Um, I was wrong, right? Like one of the big things, you know, like Ryan Day, he played quarterback. That's his shtick let's just let him decide who the quarterback at a high stage should be. Right. Um, I don't think we need to go into that anymore. It's, you know, he looks at these guys all day, every day. He gets the benefit of the doubt. I said before, you know, maybe doesn't get the benefit of the doubt on the defense, but clearly he deserves the benefit of the doubt on quarterbacks. You know, I was very, I, I was concerned when he benched him for the Akron game, like, wow, he's really confused. He doesn't know who his quarterback should be. It can't just be that his shoulders hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly that was a big part of the, you know, the equation for Stroud. He looks completely different. I also do think though, that day is calling a much smarter game, right? I mean, yeah, you know, before, like we didn't see the crossing patterns. You could run a crossing, a crisscross crossing pattern every single play with Alavi and Wilson. And those guys will be wide open. Like it's, it's literally unstoppable <laughs> why they weren't doing that before. I'm not sure they're cl- clearly doing it now. I don't know how you even begin to scheme to stop that offense. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, you can try and take away one thing, um, which I, you know, was a little maybe concerning in the last game. Um, you know, where the run game really wasn't getting going, but okay, if you're going to do that and stack the box, then we're just going to kill you. And like, everybody is five yards open. It's just (laughs) insane. Then you threw a record in there, you know, which is good to see him getting touches. Uh, Clearly they've worked out some kinks. They've got a gauntlet to go. I'm not a buyer that, you know, there should be what five big 10 teams or four, whatever you said in the top 10, that's five. I'm not a believer in that. Um, But that being said, to your point, they're they're good teams and that's going to be a a tough stretch. And if they can navigate that stretch, they're set up, right? I mean, you know, I hate that line, like you control your own destiny, but if they run the table and, um, you know, make the big 10 playoff, they're getting, or the big 10 championship, they're getting and win that game. They're in the playoff regardless. There's no way they're getting left out. So they, they do control their own destiny. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, give us your feelings about Ohio state at the midway point of the season. After Paige and I were sitting in that Oregon game and I told him, I said, I'm not going back into that stadium at halftime. (laughs) And he's like, all right, dude, come on in. Let's go in for the first series. I'm like, 
all right, dude, I'll, I'll go in. Um, and then they ran that play up the middle. I'm like, I fucking told you, man. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but but since that moment, um, I was actually, I walked around the horse, like, you know, the shoe, like just contemplating life. Like, what the hell is going on, man? You know, <laughs> but uh, I'm in a completely different place than, than that uh, that particular time. Um, I'm so, I mean, this offense is just a joy to watch, man. It's, it's unreal. Um, Trayvon Henderson is just, I mean, if he's not going to be like, end up being the best back, I think that we've seen at Ohio state. I mean, you've got some big shoes to fill there, but but he's well on his way. You know, like Paige alluded to about the quarterback. I mean, Stroud looks really good. I mean, he's just got so many weapons Mm -hmm. and, and like Paige said, I, I love seeing, and Ruckert, getting put into the play, you know, play calling. Right. Offensive line, I think Thayer Muffer is going to go down as maybe one of the best, if not the best offensive lineman at Ohio State ever. Um, you know, it's just, it's exciting. And as far as the defense goes, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm a big Kerry Combs fan as far as a cheerleader and, and just coaching up defensive backs. Um, but I really like where – Dave went with that, and and obviously, you know, Barnes is, uh, you know, changing things up, man. And yeah. you know, like you said, Zach, all that young blood in there, man, they're they're balling. I'm right there with you, CP. Uh, I feel I feel great. It's almost as if the Oregon loss didn't happen. Now, obviously, Ohio State cannot lose again, but all of their goals are still in front of them. You know, Big Ten title and right. a playoff berth are still very much in play. And we've already we've already mentioned it several times, but they have the most potent offense in the country. They have a national championship level offense in an era of college football where you have to be great offensively, just the way the game is played, rules changes and that sort of thing. Ohio State is great. They're elite in the most important area, and that's on the offensive side. And they've got an improving defense. I really like what the early returns on Barnes, I think, are pretty, pretty good. And Paige, you've mentioned it. Far stiffer tests yet to come, but early returns uh, on Barnes, very, very positive. And I think that defense is only going to keep getting better. Now, I guess the only thing, and it's and it's been a persistent theme all season so far, that worries me are injuries because we have had a lot of guys miss time. And that's the only thing I think that can really derail them at this point are injuries. Well, you know, I, I didn't have too many questions prepared ahead of time for this pod, guys. I thought we'd kind of, what did you say, Paige, freestyle it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think we got to do the obligatory first half offensive and defensive MVPs. We can get to that. Uh, but I wanted to ask you guys, what has surprised you the most about the first six games of this Ohio State season? Paige, why don't I start with you? Do you? Is there one thing that really stands out to you as a major surprise with this team so far? It could just be, you know, you surprised how disorganized they looked for the first three games. But then, you know, again, I think expectations were a little out of whack, right? I mean, it's, I, I was actually thinking about like, you know, is this one of the, the youngest teams in college football? It has um, to be. I, I haven't looked at the stats, but I, I, it has to be up there for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it bodes well for the future, but then it also just sort of helps maybe explain some things. 
Um, you know, but no, I mean, we're, it's weird, right? It is like a completely different place where we were at, obviously, like the sky was falling after the Oregon game and like, holy cow, if they don't fix these things, like this team's going to lose three or four games. Yeah. And now I'd be amazed if they, I mean, it's going to be a harder schedule, but, um, and I, you know, are they a double digit favorite from here on out? I mean, maybe not against, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think through this on the road against right Michigan. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the road against Michigan, maybe, but I fully expect Michigan to lose a game before we get there. Um, totally not a believer in that. Um, so no, I mean, it's nothing hugely surprising stands out to me. I think they're exactly where they are, where we expected them to be. It just was a little of a bumpy road to get there. Okay. I think it's Ryan Day having the stones to demote Kerry Combs as a defensive coordinator in the middle of a season. I mean, we Combs was a disaster. I, I, he was. And, and that dates back to, to last year. I think we were giving him the benefit of the doubt. We called it a COVID season. And, you know, but that national championship game, they were punchless against Alabama. And now we know why. They were undermanned a little bit. There were some COVID absences, but we also had a guy drawing up the plays, calling the plays that didn't know what the hell he was doing. And and I think this date, the issues with Combs date as far back as that Indiana game last year, where Ohio State could barely hang on to that thirty-five-seven lead, and they got torched again and again and again down the field in the second half. I mean, that was who knew? I you know we were all giving them benefit of the doubt, but that was a harbinger, unfortunately, of things to come with the Ohio State defense. So I mean, I've never seen that in my entire all my decades of watching Ohio State football, a coordinator getting an in-season demotion. And kudos to Ryan Day for having the stones to do that, because if this were Urban Meyer, I mean, we watched this movie with Urban Meyer in 2018. He's Greg Schiano was a disaster. Yeah, well, Schiano, right? I mean, he was a disaster and we just had to we just sat by the whole season and watched it be a disaster uh, defensively. So kudos to Ryan Day for stepping in, realizing, hey, I got guys like Garrett Wilson and, you know, Chris Olave, Jeremy Ruckert. Um, you know, all these seniors coming back for another run at a national title. I've got this loaded offense. He knew what's, what kind of a special offense he had returning, and he wasn't about to let it be wasted by what was happening on the defensive side. So huge credit today. I found that very surprising that he had the stones to demote Combs. Uh, and then I guess second to that is how many of these young underclassmen he's playing. Uh, true freshmen in particular. I named him at the top. Uh, now that comes with some big risks on several le- levels. I mean, starting with you know costly mistakes on game day, which we haven't seen a ton of from the freshmen. That is, as well as some unrest in the locker room among some of the upperclassmen. Now that we have seen from Kayvon Pope, and who knows what else has been kind of bubbling under the surface there in the locker room with some of the veteran guys, with all these younger guys being getting time. But that's paying big dividends so far. And Paige, you alluded to it down the line. That's going to pay even bigger dividends next year and beyond. But I think these kids are ready to be big parts of the offense and defense right now. Chad, let me kick it to you. What's your biggest surprise of the first half? My biggest surprise is the fact that this wasn't figured out. I mean, obviously you're not, you know, you're going head to head with your, you know, scarlet and gray over the spring and summer ball. Right. But, you know, when you go back and watch all that film on the, you know, the national championship, how they just exposed our defense, mm-hmm. I feel like there should have been, you know, those adjustments were made prior to the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see some of them not being fully, you know, adjusted, but 
I, I feel like the, like the, the schemes, like, you know, when we started out that first game, I mean, against Minnesota, I mean, look what they did to us. I mean, those were the same schemes that we, you know, we were doing it against Alabama. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure why that wasn't figured out from the time, you know, last January until, you know, the second game of the season. Yeah. I, I guess that's the biggest surprise for me. Yeah. Now, am I, I'm, I'm super stoked that, you know, they were made now, but, you know, we didn't have to lose to Oregon. But, you know, I, I, I could say on the flip side of that, it's like what you just alluded to, Zach, about the young kids getting in there. I mean, maybe that had to happen, but, you know, I mean, but I, I think that's one of the biggest surprises for me that how these adjustments were made, like, over the you know spring and, and summer but um yeah so we had you know, and, kind and of the I same will... we're kind of in the same vein i think you and me cp about ultimately this falls to combs right and and the, the lack yeah. of prep- preparation the total disorganization in game the hockey line substitutions guys getting time that clearly don't just des- you know like the legend cavazos and guys like that clearly not ready to be out there and and playing ahead of much more productive players uh, yeah i mean i think I'm right there with you. Yeah. Stunning. And, and, and just as you said, Cavazos and, you know, like Ransom and those guys. Now, if, if Combs would have just been focusing on those defensive backs, I mean, look at the guys he's put in the NFL that have been like pro bowlers and, you know, whatever. Like, right. I mean, you could name, go on, the list could like on and on. So, you know, I think he's now where he belongs. And, you know, I mean, uh, is it is this is this his swan song? I mean, is he going to be out of here? But a good question. He, you're paying the guy a million and a half dollars, but yeah. you know, maybe I mean, does a guy like that, you know, that just left, you know, Vrabel and the Titans to come here? Does, does he accept taking a pay cut down to nine hundred thousand dollars to coach just the defensive backs? I mean, I I'd doubt love it. for that to happen, but yeah, I doubt, I doubt it. it you D- know? Did you guys hear his uh, press conference today? Or at the, earlier this week, the interview with yeah. him? Two days ago, yeah. Two days ago? I mean, like, what? Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of that? You page? weren't impressed, Chad? <laughs> I mean, you know, dude, like, I think the guy's a solid, but I think he's a solid cat and he's very passionate about what he does. Right. I mean, you know, like, come on. I, I, I don't know why that even happened, like, in the middle of, you know, where we are. I mean, I know, like, the press, you know, those reporters are all, like, up in, like, you know, they want to know what's going on. Like, are you still involved with this? You know, that's great. I mean, I feel like Dave should have been like, you know, we'll address this at the end of the season. Well, it was... Go ahead, Paige. He, it, it was a good life lesson, right? Like, when he talked about, you know, adversity and guys losing their starting job and, you know, having to give bad news to players and stuff like that and how he accepted it, I that message resonated and i think it was a yeah i think it was really powerful and i give the guy a hell of a lot of credit you know for saying it the bigger picture though is what you were we were talking about before is okay what happens in the future right so are we admitting you were completely you know over your skis on this and you've lost that job or that title and what is your role moving forward i think that is you know the the bigger question that's tbd i i give him credit and you know how you face adversity in life is what he was talking about. Right. You know, as coaches of of these kids, that was, that was great. I, and 
but that's in a vacuum. What happens from here? You know, what is his role? Um, you know, how did we get here? And it's funny because Zach, you, you guys both brought up the same thing. You've spun it in a positive way. Chad spun it in a more negative way. Um, <laughs> and you know, that, that is something that's got to be addressed moving forward by Ryan day in, into the future. To me, after I kind of thought about it and reflect on it and listen to it again, I thought maybe Combs is speaking more to prospective employers in that soliloquy than he was to his team. Maybe it serves both purposes. But I mean, it, clearly he came off as a guy in the, that that he's clearly confident in his, confident in his abilities. I, I didn't get the sense, though, that he really felt like, you know, Ryan Day did the right thing. Like, I would love to give him truth serum and ask him, like, do you still think you should be calling the plays? Um, but yeah, I don't know. know. I mean, what's right. I mean, what's he going to do? He, I mean, like, of course he's got to play it the way that he's playing it. He's getting paid a million and a half. He's paid a million and a half dollars. He's going to sit up there and he'll tell you that the sky is purple. If, if he can keep his job, I mean, come on, let's be honest about it. He was a high school coach five years ago, right? six years ago. I mean, that's a ton of money. And you know what, if he takes a demotion down to 900 grand or however they play it, he's going to take that job until something better comes along. Yeah. I had a flashback again, like we don't want to go back and revisit it, but there was one play in the national championship game where tough Borland was running behind Devontae (laughs) Smith. Like he had coverage, uh, you know, responsibility, responsibility for Deontay. Like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) You know? And it's like, so the, the red flags were there. And, you know, you gave him the benefit of the doubt. Ryan Day obviously did clearly to your, what you just said, Zach, he couldn't coach a defense out of a paper bag. He couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I, you know, I, I appreciate what he said, but I, that's what I would expect of Kerry Combs to be an adult about this. He failed at his job. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. That's what happened. He failed so badly at his job that he had to be replaced in the middle of a season. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that he's hanging in there and for the benefit of the kids, benefit of the team, because that's what he should do. If he wants to be employed again by an, a decent program or to go back to the NFL, you got to grin and bear it and do your best to coach through the end of the season. Now, it was notable at the end of his his soliloquy there that he, he said something like, I'm going to fight and scratch and claw and work as hard as I can to help this team win as many games this season. He was, he was clearly kind of hung out there like a sore thumb, right? That he ended it with, through this season, I think he's gone. I don't think there's any way he sticks around. I think he he'll, he's on the first train out of there. Maybe it's back to the NFL. Maybe a, a you know a, a smaller program. Maybe a, see you later. Yeah, a lower level FBS program or an FCS program will come calling and offer him a coordinator job or something. But uh, I can't see how he stays. I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily agree with you that he'll be gone. He definitely won't be the defensive coordinator. But if they said, hey, you can stick around and, you know, make 800 grand and do your old job, he's not getting any DC, you know, jobs, not Mm. by any power five school, in my opinion, after that performance. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I agree. I don't think he's like, I mean, maybe like Jack said, like some FBS school, like, but no other like power five, like no big program is going to. After that debacle, is going to be like, oh yeah, hey Carrie, come come like be our fence coordinator. <laughs> yeah. it, it'll be interesting. But so you, know you guys both is. think you guys both think he ends up sticking around. Paige, is that is that where your money is? And Chad as well. You guys think he sticks With around? A demotion beyond this year? With a Perhaps. demotion, right? Yeah. yeah, and I don't know how those contracts yeah. are structured, right? Like right. I, they guaranteed. I don't think they are and stuff. But I mean, 
Um, I bet you that, you know, I mean, wouldn't you, if you were him, he's like, oh, sorry, you're not going to make 1.5. You're going to make 800 grand. I mean, still a ton of money. And I don't know that he's going to have a whole lot of options unless day is so pissed at him. He's like, just, just get out of here, which is possible. (laughs) My opinion is that like, I mean, we know the guy can coach like defensive backs. I mean, there's no disputing that. There's no doubt. And he can recruit too. one of the best in the business. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of those recruits that'll tell you they came to be like, you know, because of Kerry Combs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like paid to the eight or 900 grand. I mean, dude, you like, I don't know what kind of aspirations you have, but like you're an Ohio state man. Um, you know what? Take, take the pay cut, dude. You, you just, you're in over your head. Mm-hmm. Barnes is like this young and upcoming guy. Just, sees things differently than you, you know, as a, like a, you know, as a defensive unit, like play, making the, you know, calling plays. And let's just have you concentrate on the defensive backs. What's your, that's your niche, buddy. So just, you know, yeah. but you know, I, I, I like you, uh, you said, I wanted to give you props on that. And you said that earlier, Z about fucking day having the stones to do that. It's yeah. fucking like that. I, a lot of head coaches I, wouldn't I do it. Ryan day. And I loved him even more after that. Very, very Nick Saban like, to do to make that type yeah. of a, an in season change, exactly. uh, whereas so many others, including Urban Meyer, would have would have stood idly by, and and done nothing about it until you know until the off season, and it could very well have costed. Well, it did it did in the twenty eighteen season. It cost Ohio State a shot at the playoff. The defense did. They were an abomination against Purdue and the loss to Purdue. They were also an abomination in that win over Maryland. That cost Ohio State a playoff spot because they never got it fixed. And kudos today for doing that, yep. and, I, and also kudos today, I think, for admitting it, it, it. You know, at the end of the day, it's an admission of his own mistake, giving the job to Combs, and also yeah. not staffing out his, the defensive side of the ball. I think he only has five defensive coaches uh, on that side of the ball, so he's heavily weighted toward offense, which was also a bit of a mistake on his part. So kudos today for recognizing that mistake and rec- doing something now to fix it, and not losing a whole season over it. I feel Day is so passionate. And like he's so entrenched about in this 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 program and this team and what he's put together, and you know I, I think he just kind of got blinded and like, hey, listen, I feel like I can trust Kerry Combs, and then he just fucked him over. Yeah. So he was like, you know what? I'm not done. You know what? Fuck this. What, what, yeah, I love yeah. It. I don't know about that. Come on. So what do you mean, Ryan, Ryan Day? Ryan Day walked into the greatest situation you could ever have. And I don't want to go back and stroke Urban Meyer's. Urban Meyer went to Bowling Green and took uh, took them to places they've never been before. He walked into Utah, did the same thing. He walked into Florida, he did the same thing. Ryan Day inherited the job at Ohio State. I can coach Ohio State to eight wins a year. And I think Day made that move because he knew that he made a big mistake and he's making mistakes. I think there's other things, you know, yeah. that, that, you know, he has not done particularly well and he's still learning. I don't think, I think it was more out of just pure fear or necessity. Like some of the, the luster was wearing off on this guy that everyone thinks is the next coming of whatever. And it's like, I'm sorry, you, when you, inherit the head coaching job at a high estate and he deserves it. And I think he's a good coach, but you know, I mean, he made the playoff twice. Okay. He gets credit for that, but I, I, you know, I, I think we needed to slow the roll a little bit that, you know, Ryan day is Vince Lombardi here. Yeah. I'm not saying he's Vince Lombardi, but he's a, he's a, 
he's a better recruiter than Urban Meyer. Um, but I'm telling you, dude, he's, he's, I, I like him. I think he just put too much trust in Combs and like he got burnt. Yeah. And, and, but and whatever we can the, agree to disagree on that. Yeah. So the, but the Combs thing, and let's go back to that though, because you know, we, we talked to Doug Maurice, we talked to Bill Landis last year, and both of them felt like that was a good hire that Kerry Combs would acquit himself very well as the defensive coordinator, even though he was a first time coordinator, they both thought it was a good move. It was a largely celebrated move by the folks whose opinions we trust and listen to largely uh you know the 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 athletic guys the cleveland.com guys the guys over at letterman rome most people celebrated this move when combs is hired to run the defense so uh, you know sometimes things just don't work out we said this in the last pod and i think that's what's happened here now what the thing that they also said both lay maurice and bill landis said of combs when we talked to him last year he does have head coaching ambitions they both truly believe that maybe that's a little different now after what's happened here as defensive coordinator but he did have pretty lofty ambitions ambitions going into this Combs did so it'll be interesting to see if he's adjusted his expectations uh you know in light of what's happened but I personally think you know if he does still have those ambitions there's no way he sticks around all right let's move on here guys because I got a couple other questions I want to ask you about the the first half of this season let's go with the obligatory first half offensive MVP Chad who's your first half offensive MVP for Ohio State must have been a good day. Got to put in Trey, Trey, Trey on Henderson. Okay, he's Tra- the man, dude. Travion Henderson, I like it. I mean, he 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 rounds out. He completes this offense, Henderson. We all thought he would do this. Six hundred twelve yards rushing on seventy attempts. He's averaging eight point seven yards a pop. I believe that leads the country, and he's got nine rushing touchdowns already and two receiving. Eleven touchdowns already for Henderson. That's a great pick, Paige. Who's your offensive MVP for the first half? You know, since you asked him first, it gave me a second to think about it. And I was trying to think of somebody clever, but at the end of the day, it's got to be CJ Stroud. And I was trying to remember what I was watching. I don't know if it was Notre Dame, Cincinnati or some other games. And it's like, oh my gosh, the quarterback play here is just atrocious. And it really is across the board. Like, you know, you see flashes of it, you know, of, of good quarterback play in some games, but for the most part, my gosh, are we spoiled, right? Like you, you're going from Haskins to Fields and Stroud. And, you know, the the difference in his game in these last few days has just been miraculous. When you and I were talking um, last week, Zach, where he completed that pass over the middle to Smith and the Jigba. Uh-huh. Um, and a dude was just, it was a rope right down the middle of the field. Um, which was a great pass, but there was a dude just barreling down on him from the middle and he stood in the pocket and just delivered a perfect pass. To me, he's your um, first half MVP. I love it. I love it. That's a great pick. I'm looking at the pro football focus grades for quarterbacks. And right now, CJ Stroud is sixth in the country, according to pro football focus with a grade of 90.8. He trails only, uh, well, a couple of, you know, a couple of kids who've barely played that really don't have the, uh, that really don't have the you know the playing time or the snaps, but right now Stroud is sixth by Pro Football Focus, um, and uh, not you bad know, for a freshman playing his what sixth game. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Completing sixty six percent of his passes, he's thrown for eighteen touchdowns, three picks. He's only been sacked four times. He's getting great protection from the offensive line, and uh, yeah, that that uh, that throw that he had across the middle. We mentioned that it, you've already mentioned it. He threw that right past the linebacker. This is either a safety or a linebacker drawn coverage on, on Smith and Jigba on that play. 
that ball whizzed right by his ear hole and hit Smith and Jigba <laughs> right in the chest. I mean, that was a big time throw. He had another one along the sidelines. I think it might have been against Rutgers. Also, perhaps to Smith and Jigba, if I'm not mistaken, it was another beautiful throw uh, right over the the defensive back and, uh, you know, right on the sidelines. So, and he's had a few of those this year. And he's also starting to make some throws on the run this year, which he wasn't able to do through the first three weeks. And now he's making things happen on the, on the move, which, uh, man, if he's going to make throws like that, it, forget about it. Well, let me ask you guys this before I move on to my first half uh, offensive MVP. Is Stroud going to end up in New York as a Heisman finalist? Paige, what do you think? He should be. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have I, opportunities. Like, you know, it's a big time competition, big time games to put up yeah. numbers. Um, I mean, who are the five guys that are better than him, you know, in, at the quarterback position? I don't, you know. Um, no, I mean, you just mentioned on the pro football focusing. Yeah, no, I, I will. Yeah, no, I think it definitely. And if we run the table and win out, yeah, absolutely. He'll be there. Shit, Trey Trey might even be there with him. Yeah. What do you think, Chad? Are we going to see one of those, at least one of those two in, in New York? I would have to say so. I yeah. mean, you know, besides, you know, <clears throat> that B. John Robinson, man, that kid almost came to Ohio State, but I'm yeah. almost glad he didn't because it's Trayvon, but, uh, I mean, in his he's case, special, it's too big. I mean, how, how could you not put him out? Yeah, well, I mean, Robinson's going to put up big time numbers at Texas, but you know they're going to lose five games there, and they're terrible. Texas right, <laughs> defense exactly. is terrible. It's unfortunate for him, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Robinson's awesome. He's the only other back I'd rather have. Uh, if I couldn't have yep. Henderson, I'd rather have. You know, I'd, I'd love to have Robinson. So, all right. Well, for me, my first half MVP, Garrett Wilson. He leads the team in receptions, receiving yards. He's second the team in, uh, in receiving touchdowns. You know, I would save maybe for a lack of of absolute top end speed. Wilson has everything else. Everything else at a uh, he's a ten in my opinion. If, everywhere else that you would need, you know, a receiver to be a ten. Hands, explosive playmaking ability, reliability. He's he seems stronger to me. He had a play against Akron where he's running at full speed. He stiffs arms there. I think it was their best player a linebacker and just dismisses him. Like he looked like a, a beanie well stiff arm. And uh, I tell you, just watching, he's got suction cups for hands. I don't think the stats will bear this out because he's going to leave after this year. He just probably didn't get the same number of opportunities that Olave will have. So I don't think he's going to have the numbers to show it, but he's one of Ohio State's best receivers ever to come through that program, in my opinion. He, he's amazing. I could have easily put Chris Olave here, but I, I could only pick one. So Garrett Wilson is my pick for offensive MVP. Yeah, you could make it, it, it'd be like when we had you would have two Santonio San homes on the same field, right? I mean, that's what Alave and, and Wilson are, right? I yeah. mean, in a normal, you know, reality world, I mean, you wouldn't have two all world guys like that. So it kind of takes away from but you're right. Like he is he is just amazing, uh, as is Alave. Yeah. Let's let's not discount Smith and Jigba, man. That He's great. Is fucking solid. He's going to put up some nice numbers, Smith and Jigba. I mean, he he might very well. All three of them might end up with a thousand yards receiving before this season's up. Now they're going to be seeing better That's defenses insane. this this last six games, but but I mean, I just think I, I mean, right now Smith and Jigba four hundred and fifty two yards receiving. Uh, he's averaging nineteen point seven per reception. I mean, those are. I mean, we're halfway through. He's well on his way to, you know, he's 900. Great. Yeah, he's going to be amazing. I, to me, it feels, and, and Paige, you put this out here on the last pod. You you had asked, you know, rhetorically, is Smith and Jigba our best receiver? <laughs> uh, to me, I think he's a year away and he's going to have his day. Yeah. 
We're going to be talking about him in the same way that we're talking about Wilson and Olave a year from now, I think. Johnny. But, but yeah, Smith and Jigba. Uh, I mean, all three of those guys. So it's Sorry, an embarrassment. Johnny Cash agreed with you, Zach. Sorry. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's 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 head over to the defensive side of the ball. I want to get your views on who the who the best defensive player has been for Ohio State so far through six games. Chad, what, what do you think? Oh, man, that's a tough one, too. Um, but I'm going to have to say Denzel Burke. Denzel Burke? I like that pick. I like that yeah, pick a lot. I mean, he's a special kid. I mean, you know, I, I, I would have thought if you would have asked me, like, back in the beginning of September, I would have told you Zach Harrison, but that's just not the case. And, you know, Haskell's been, like, you know, a little bit dinged up and stuff like that. But, I mean, if you're talking about, like, just plays – you know, week after week, I'd have to go with Denzel. Yeah, well, so Denzel Burke, believe it or not, leads the defense in snaps played, 351. As a true freshman, he almost never leaves the field. And he leads the team in pass breakups as well with five. Uh, This is a true freshman. We know he's got to pick six already uh, to to his credit. And then, you know, he had that that other interception, I believe it was against Tulsa, right? That was taken off the board where he stripped the receiver. Total bullshit call. That was a total interception. I think that's a great pick. Burke, to me, looks like the next great corner at Ohio State. Maybe he's that guy right now. We're talking about true freshmen, and it's just amazing. Yeah. If I look at these other programs, like, that implement, like, you know, these kids that are just five stars coming out of high school, and they're they're starting, you know what I mean? Right, like LSU. We haven't had that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. LSU. We haven't had that. Yep. We haven't had that opportunity to talk like this about a true freshman, like, you know, I mean, Trayvon, like, you know what I mean? Like for yeah. a long time. Yeah. That just doesn't happen at Ohio State. You know, last year at our, we did our, our season recap pod after the national championship game, and we were looking ahead to the 2021 season. We were talking about the defense and Chad, I believe at that point, and you've done, you'd mentioned this at other times over, over the years, you know, on this pod, you've mentioned the idea of a young guy playing in the secondary. And I scoffed at that, right? I'm like, oh, come on. Young guys never play. I mean, they never play. They never, you know, linebackers and in the secondary, young guys never play. And lo and behold, here's a true freshman, probably their best player in the secondary or certainly one of them. So uh, credit to you, Chad. I didn't think it was possible, but here we are watching it right now uh, happening before our eyes in the 2021 season with with Burke. Paige, how about you? Defensive MVP for the first half. Um, do I have to pick one or can I have two? You can have two if you want. I mean, I think it's Haskell. <laughs> I think Haskell's very, like, Haskell is a disruptor. He, you know, like a lot of it might not even show up, right? But, you know, he's just stuff in the middle or he's putting some pressure on the quarterback. He's huge. But the other guy that I think um, I would say is Steel Chambers because he solidified something that you know has been a problem for a lot of years which actually though i digress because it makes me want to give a shout out to the bell pre daily beast did you see the game that pete warner had a couple weeks ago like the saints yeah yeah, like 14 or 15 tackles yeah (laughs) yeah and i scoffed at chad when like hey pete warner is gonna be a first round draft it shows you what i know about football everyone (laughs) should stop listening to this podcast right now but um I think what Steel Chambers, you know, he's he's brought some stability to the linebacking position that has been sorely needed. And the guy's a player, and it's such a great story, even though we've seen it before, that, you know, a guy completely makes a position switch like that, and all of a sudden is just wreaking havoc on defense at linebacker and is, yeah. what, fifth year in the program? Like, that story is amazing. And so um, I go with those two guys, Steel Chambers, maybe 51-49. Love it. Love it. For me, it's Ronnie Hickman. 
he leads the team in tackles with 50. He's got 32 of those are solo. He's got two interceptions, including a pick six. He's second on the team in snaps played. So you know that the the coaching he has the 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 trust of the coaching staff. He never leaves the field. I, I consider him Ohio State's new eraser, though not from the deep safety spot like Jordan Fuller. Hickman's doing it as the bullet, but he's that reliable, steady guy there when you need to make a tackle. Who's the guy more often than not that, that's making that tackle? It's Hickman. And I, I love what I see uh, out of him. He is a rising star. And, uh, you know, he does a lot of dirty work, too. I think some of the stuff that he does goes largely unappreciated by the average fan. But, guys, any anyone else on the defensive side of the ball you want to shout out, Chad? Tyleek. Tyleek Williams. And how about this? Tyleek Williams, according to Pro Football Focus, through six games, Ohio State's number one graded defender. With a nine, a grade of ninety point two, Tyleek Williams, he's their number one rated defender, and he's played enough snaps. I mean, he's played ninety four snaps. He's not in the two, two hundreds or three hundreds, but he's played enough. Where I think you've got enough of a sample size, like this kid can play, and he he leads the team in sacks with four. Tyleek Williams, I love that. I love that shout out, CP Paige. How about you? Where where is he from? Ohio? Where is he from? Actually, does anyone know? I'd have to Tyleek? look that up. Yeah, Tyleek Williams. Okay. I'd have to look that up. No, I think that's a good pick. That guy is amazing. And, you know, you mentioned it before, Zach. Like, it's hard. It's just hard for freshmen, especially on defense, you know, to crack the starting lineup as a true freshman at Ohio State. And they've got, you know, three or four, maybe five of those guys. It's astonishing. Part of me then wonders how badly were they missing on recruits before in these other classes. But who knows? That's a topic <laughs> for another from- day. Yeah, he's from Manassas, Virginia. Manassas, Virginia. He was the 166th ranked player in the class. So not not the high, not you know by far, not even close. The high, one of the highest rated players in the class. Um, but a grown man uh, at this stage, though six three three thirty, coming to the program. That's <laughs> for an eighteen year old kid. That's <laughs> nuts. And, and you know to get playing time at that position too interior linemen, defensive linemen. I mean, usually it takes two or three years for those kids to, to build up the, yeah, they're the just not strong strength, yet, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're dealing with 18 year old kids going up with, you know, men that could be 20, 21, even 22. It's just yeah. astonishing. That's why it's so hard. Another surprise looking at the defensive grades on pro football focus, Marcus Williamson is Your third. So, and, and I've been very critical of Williamson. You know, I, I, I've i said basically he's unplayable, but kind of back to, I believe it was you, Paige, that just mentioned Steel Chambers. Here's a veteran player, uh, a little older than Chambers, a couple years ahead of Chambers, but still a, a kid that's been with the program for a while, who's been passed over by younger players. And instead of sulking or entering the transfer portal or, you know, blowing up on the sidelines like Kayvon Pope, Marcus Williamson's accepted a reduced role. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on being a rotational defensive back. And right now he's sharing kind of that cover safety responsibilities with um, Cam Martinez, Cam Martinez. And they seem to trust Marcus Williamson a little more against run heavy teams. They like him. They like his tackling better. He's more of a sure tackler. Whereas Cam Martinez, they like a little better in coverage. But, you know, if you're Williamson, you're heading into this year, you're a super senior you're taking advantage of that extra year of eligibility. You've got expectations. 
that you're going to be a starter or at least play significantly. And here you are sharing time with an underclassman, a redshirt freshman in the case of Martinez. So uh, kudos to him for accepting that reduced role and actually playing really well in it. Because th the truth is you need veteran guys, rotational players, veteran rotational players that are going to perform, you know, they're going to give you that you can trust. I wanted to go back to the one thing that we have not seen in the last, I can't remember when, but now that they have, and I never can say his name right, and I'm sorry, bro, uh, to my to, to the kid, Mbuka, is that it? Emeka Mbuka, yeah. 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 Him returning kickoff. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's going to run one back before the year's over. I agree. And we haven't seen a, a return like that, like a specialist like that, in a long time. I can't even remember when. So Again, I, probably. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. I think he's got those capabilities. I, and I, I, but as long as, you know, if he can get his hands on the ball, like, I mean, I'm telling you, he's going to run one back before the end of the You guys, you guys realize right. Ohio State hasn't run a kickoff back for a touchdown since 2010? Isn't that crazy? That about right. Isn't that crazy? That right. Yeah. 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 So if you think about the contributions right now made by two true freshmen that are, you know, you've already got a, a potent, passing attack or what we'd expect would be. Now, I know that, you know, CJ Stroud was a bit of an un unknown coming into the season, but great offensive line, elite playmakers on the outside. We, you know, we all kind of knew and we are seeing an electric passing game. But now you've added a true freshman in Travion Henderson to that offense to make the running game elite. And now you've got a true freshman in the return game on top of an offense that can score from anywhere on the field. It doesn't really matter. Field position almost doesn't matter with this offense. Now you've got a player in Ibuka that's giving you field position and in the return game, which is, uh, I mean, you know, that's that's going to pay dividends. That could very well be a difference in a game like a Penn State that is a, a tightly contested game or a Big Ten title game. A big well, return could be the difference in a, in a game like that. I think it was actually kind of a difference maker in the Maryland game, right? Didn't they, they had scored a touchdown. That's I right. Forget, maybe it was 17 to 10 or whatever. 10. Ran, yeah. Or yeah. And they, you know, it's like, oh boy, we could have a game here. And he ran that ball. It wasn't, you yeah. know, I don't know, the 40 or 50 or something. The 30, and, the Maryland it, 30 is where you yeah, ran it to. It's a huge momentum shift. So, and you're right, CP, he is going to run one back. That dude can play. And it does make a huge difference because it, nothing sucks the energy out of the other team right after they score a touchdown or do something big like that is more than a return. It's just like a, a dick punch. And you're just like, oh, really? And you're right, Paige. That, that was a, that's a really good point. It was 21-10. It looked like Maryland got themselves kind of back within striking distance. Ibuka takes it back, what, 60, 70 yards. And then two plays later, Ohio State scores. And then the route's the on. It's over. it's over. That broke it's, their back. It's totally over at that point. You yeah. cannot, it, that is a haymaker. You're on the mat. You're not, you're not getting up from that. Love it. Love it. Well, hey, look, I thought we would spin this forward and look ahead to these next six games. If you guys don't have anything else you want to talk about from the first half, let's, let's spin it forward here. And um, I'd actually like to, to have a quick look at the schedule here. Um, we've got, and I'm actually, let me just go through the schedule here real quick before, before we get into this. So Ohio state has left on the schedule, October, October 23rd in Bloomington. That's a week from Saturday. That's going to be a night game in prime time. Then they got to be there. You're going to the game CP. Yeah. I'm going, uh, with like Kirk Kramer, you know, Kramer. Ah, nice. Okay. Excellent. Hey, well, look, Indiana can still play some defense. 
And, uh, you know, they still have Ty Freifogel, who <laughs> torched him last year. So, you know, I, th- th- it's been a disappointing season, to be sure, for Indiana. Michael Penix, we'll see. I don't, have no idea if he's if he's done for the year. He's hurt again. But I would expect that to be, you know, you got to, the high state can't mail that one in for sure. Then they turn right around in Columbus on October 30th. Penn State comes to town, number seven, Penn State. Then they, uh, the following Saturday, they travel to Lincoln to play Nebraska. Nebraska has been playing much better this year than they have in the, in recent years. Then they come home to Columbus the following week to play Purdue. We know what a pain in the ass Purdue's been for Ohio State over the last, what, 10, 15 years. And then uh, the following week, also in Columbus, Sparty comes to town. This is a top 10 team as of right now, Michigan State. And then uh, the trip to Ann Arbor uh, at Michigan to close out the regular season. So that's what the schedule looks like. Paige, I want to start with you. Which of those games is is of the biggest concern for you? Oh, to me, it's easily Sparty. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had, truth be told, I haven't seen one play from them. So maybe they're no good. I mean, I was kind of leaning towards Nebraska, but no, they're going to roll Indiana. Right. It's going to be, they're going to get rested. They're going to get healthy. It's going to be night game. I think they kick the shit out of them. Um, then they, and then what's the next one? Let's see. So it's IU, Penn State, Nebraska. Yeah. Then Purdue. Penn State. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they take care of Penn State. Nebraska, not, not worried. Sparty before Michigan is going to be the concern. Interesting. Okay. And you're just concerned just from the standpoint of, uh, look ahead, distracted, thinking about Michigan. Is that, is that, I mean, concern concern, for you? I mean, my concernometer is about a five. I'm not that concerned, but, um, you know, they ruined our season once, right. In 2015. So they could do it again. And again, truth be told, I have not seen one play from Sparty this year. So, you know, maybe it's fool's gold, but as I look at the schedule, I that's my biggest concern. I don't believe in Michigan. I think Penn State's good, but um, you know, I don't think they're at our level. No, to to steal your line, Zach. Nobody on our schedule has our ceiling. And if this team keeps rolling and hits the ceiling, mm-hmm. then none of these games goes above a five on my concernometer. Um, we'll be fine. But if I had to pick one, I'm picking Sparty. You know, Sparty might have the most balanced, most dangerous offense, ironically, left on the schedule. I mean, one would think it'd be Penn State or Michigan, but I'm looking at the stats here. Peyton Thorne, who we saw a little bit of last year in East Lansing when Ohio State played him. Right now, Peyton Thorne, he's thrown 14 touchdowns to two interceptions. He's completing about 63% of his passes. Uh, Looks, you know, this is a this is a guy that's you know not just dinking and dunking. He's making some plays down the field, and uh, not making a lot of mistakes. And but the real story out of out of uh, East Lansing is Kenneth Walker, their uh, their tailback. He is uh, already up to 913 yards rushing. He's averaging 7.1 yards uh, per carry, nine touchdowns. Very balanced offense, and they also have a playmaker in Jalen Naylor at receiver. Who can do some things for them as as uh, you know in the passing game? So just you know, when, does, second, when does Sparty play Michigan? So they play Michigan up? the same weekend that we play Penn State, the weekend of the thirtieth. Okay, yeah, so you'll know after that one. Mel Tucker is a good coach. Look at CU; they're terrible. They yeah. might not win a game this season. Yeah, that guy's a good coach. And what is this year two? Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, year two. That's right. And, you know, he, even, even in year one, well, you know, the overall record wasn't impressive. He did manage to upset Northwestern. I mean, a pretty good, decent Northwestern team that gave us all kinds of fits in the Big Ten title game. So that was a preview of things to come. I think Michigan State, I think, has gone out in the transfer portal and, and brought some guys in to really kind of refresh the talent on that roster. Um, I'm not sure if Walker is one of those kids. Um, I, I don't remember him last year. Yeah, so he's a transfer from Wake Forest, Kenneth Walker. And yeah. he's been a revelation for Michigan State this year. I mean, a, a total yeah, difference I think, maker. I think it was Landis or somebody was talking about. They went out and got some guys off the portal, and you know, it's making a huge difference to that team. So. Yeah, yeah. Good on them for that. I like that pick. That is that is not going to be an easy one. And uh, and I think I might even like Sparty against uh, Michigan on the 30th. Let me check. Before I kick it to you, Chad, I just want to check something real quick. They're home. They host Michigan in East Lansing in that game. So uh, I'll, I'll be tuning in for that one for sure. Chad, how about you? Which of these remaining games worries you the most? I just hope and pray that Michigan is undefeated when we go there to Ann Arbor. <laughs> I really, really, that's all I want. I want them to be undefeated. And I want khakis just to be just deflated again. <laughs> um, but, you know, if Penn State uh wasn't coming to Columbus and we were going to Happy Valley, that would probably be my my biggest concern. Obviously that's not the case. Um you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say Michigan, man, because I, I feel like their defense is a lot better than they have been. Um, you know, they are one like they are a little bit one dimensional. Um, you know, they've got a good run game. But, uh, you know, I, I wish I could comment on Michigan State. I mean, obviously, Tucker, as you guys alluded to, like, he's a great coach. Right. Um, I haven't, like, Paige, I haven't watched one play. I have no yeah. idea who they are, what they're all about. Obviously, they're, they're playing some good ball. But for you, it's Michigan, Obviously, Chad. That's the, that's the game on the schedule that worries yeah. you the most. That makes sense. Michigan. I mean, you know, they've been they, they they've played they've much improved to be sure. I, I'm still a little skeptical, Paige. I know you are as well, but I, I do give them are credit they? for being much improved, and and they seem motivated. I mean, they're saying all the right things about the Ohio State rivalry, right? I mean, they they seem to be prioritizing yeah, put, it. So that that's yeah, a good pick. I like one that one. Clocks up there. Yeah, no, I like that one. For me, it's Penn State. Down, down. Yeah, for me, it's Penn State. Yep. And, and I think largely because of how well they played us since James Franklin took the helm. I know that's not an original thought. I've been saying that for the last couple of years. They, there wasn't much of a fight last year in in um, Happy Valley, but but uh, we kind of caught Penn State uh, at the right time early in the schedule. They had a lot of issues early on, but then really started to play up to their potential toward the end of the season. I think they closed the season winning four, four in a row. So... I know that game's being played in, in Columbus, but I think Penn State's the most talented team left on Ohio State's schedule. I think they've got, and they match up defensively pretty well with us offensively. They've got a good secondary, although we didn't have a problem with that secondary last year. You know, Alavi and Wilson did, didn't, but looks like maybe Sean Clifford isn't the hapless, mistake-prone quarterback this season that he's been the last two. I mean, we saw what a difference he makes for them after he left that game against Iowa last week with that injury. I mean, Penn State was up 17 to three in that game and in total control before he went down. So, uh, I mean, you know, 
I, Will he be back? For the Ohio State nobody game? knows. I, I have no. not heard anything, and we know it's all cloak and dagger. They, they, they're not going to share anything about his injury. We probably won't know until Penn State uh, takes the field. I believe they have a bye this week as well. I'm not sure who they play next Saturday, but we probably won't know until then. I do want to mention a second game that concerns me, if you guys will indulge me. And that's actually a game that doesn't yet appear on the schedule, which would be December 4th in Indianapolis. That would almost certainly be against Iowa. I think that's what we're all expecting, Iowa to come out of the West. That certainly the schedule sets up for them to to be the the representative out of the West. And the reason that game concerns me is because it would follow back-to-back slobber knockers against Michigan State and Michigan. And, you know, I, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but the, but that that stretch right there, Michigan State, Michigan, and then, you know, a, a likely matchup with Iowa in the Big Ten title game. I mean, that's that's like that Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin gauntlet we had to run back in 2019. And yeah. if you guys remember, I mean, we were worn out by the yeah. time we took the field in, in the Big Ten title game against Wisconsin. And we were beat up by the time we took the field against Clemson in that national semifinal. And I, you know, that was one of the worst games Ohio State played that entire season. And uh, I think it was largely because they they got the shit beat out of them those last three weeks. They were licking their <laughs> wounds. I mean, this stretch, this this potential stretch, Michigan State, Michigan, and Iowa, I think it's even tougher than the one we had to run in 2019 to end the season. So I guess second to the wow. game that's we know for sure they're going to play, Penn State, it would be that game should they get there. Uh, you know, high state, man, and they've been injury prone all season. That that stretch is going to test their depth and their toughness more than anything. One of the we owe, that, uh, we owe the Hawkeyes one well. Oh, yeah, we do for sure. But oh, uh, we, like, you know, and they're like, you figure they, they're pretty much it, like they have, like, I, I really haven't looked at their schedules, Zach, but I would imagine they can't have like a lot of like they you, don't, they don't. You're, yeah, I'd look yeah, at it. It's a cakewalk. Yeah. It's a cakewalk. So yeah, it's a cakewalk. They legitimately so, could be number two team in the country when we play them in the Big Ten Championship. Now, if it, we, you know, obviously. Oh, for sure. I mean, they might even, they could even be the number one team in the country. Who knows, depending on what happens with Georgia and, you know, which would be exactly, ridiculous. Dude. <laughs> so, so, but it is interesting though, because of the way they play offense. Uh, I think that while the schedule, you know, we're not looking at world beaters, the rest of that schedule. I do think they're vulnerable because of the way they, you know, there's not a lot of margin for error when you don't move the ball. You can't move the ball, you're, you know, in, in the way that they struggle to. And you rely so heavily on turnovers because there is a luck element to that. As great as that defense is, clearly they have a knack for forcing turnovers. But did you guys notice, and I pointed this out over text, I think they're only like 11 and a half point favorite at home to Purdue uh, this Saturday. Is there any chance, do you guys think? I you know, Iowa. They're lucky that game's at home. That yeah. they get it at home. That that is right. The yeah. quintessential yeah. hangover game. Yeah, if totally. They on the road, if they were, it was on the road, if it's you know crappy weather or something. And again, I, I, I think I responded to your text. Like I, I didn't even realize Purdue still plays football. I haven't heard <laughs> one thing about Purdue football in the last right. decade, um, other since they beat us. But um, if it weren't at home, I would agree with you. Um, uh, but I think they, they get lucky that they get them at home yeah. and they'll, they'll pull it out. They play us tough regardless. I mean, they, they, you know, that's the one thing about the expansion. That's been a bit of a disappointment, more than a bit of a disappointment. You know, Ohio state has to play Rutgers and Maryland every year and they go six, seven years, uh, you know, in between dates they with have Iowa. To change that. That, 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 that's that ridiculous. Thing, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. If you think about this. 
I remember 2009-2010, they played. They had back-to-backs with Iowa. The 2009 game went to overtime. High State wins it by a field goal in overtime. It was a great game. Iowa came back you know, with a, from a two-touchdown deficit in the fourth quarter to tie the game, send it to overtime. I was sweating bullets watching that one. And I think also their starting quarterback was injured, and they had to go with this you know, unproven like redshirt freshman who balled out for them. Following year, 2010, we go to their place. We go to Iowa City. We have to win that game. I think uh, Terrell Pryor has a scramble on fourth down on the game-winning drive. It was like fourth and 15. Ohio State gets out of there by the skin of their teeth in another great game in Iowa City. Since that back-to-back, Ohio State has played Iowa twice. Played That's them ridiculous. 2013 That's ridiculous. in Columbus, another good game that Ohio State won by 10, but it was a ball game well into the fourth quarter. And then, of course, the blowout debacle in 2017 when we get run out of their stadium. That's that's That is one of the best... I mean, some of the best Big Ten games of all time have been between those two schools. I, I, I think it's a huge swing in the miss by the conference that that game is not played more often. Uh, sorry, that's a whole... Well, it all goes down to expansion, which is what you just said is just more reason than enough. Please don't bring in like Kansas. Please don't bring in any other schools right. because it only dilutes the brand, right? Yeah. There's nobody out there worthy from a football perspective that you want to see Ohio State play. And I actually, you know, until you, you said it, I actually hadn't really thought about it, but you know, we miss out on those games yeah, and absolutely. playing Rutgers and Maryland every year is just, it's a waste of time, Ooh. right? Cause you're going to play the Buffaloes and the Akron's cause that's the way the system's set up. Right. Um, but my God, don't, don't make it worse by yeah. bringing in other crappy teams and, and get rid of the leagues because it is so top heavy. It's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, look at it. I mean, you have East versus West, like that needs to be addressed. Yeah, no, I agree. We kind of we we kind of taken a tangent here, um, but but I agree with you. I mean, I think Ohio State Ohio State should play at least between the two of them. They should play Iowa or Wisconsin every year. Every year they should play one, one of those two schools every year. There's no excuse for them not to be playing one of those two schools. Uh, just to finish where we where we went originally, we were looking at the rest of Iowa's schedule. They're not playing any world beaters. Purdue at home uh, this Saturday. Then they travel to Wisconsin. Wisconsin clearly a down year for them. Although that'll probably be a close game because Wisconsin does play good defense at Northwestern. They're a, a train wreck at Northwestern. Hot garbage. They get Minnesota at home. Then Illinois at home, who's terrible. Then they travel to Nebraska, which could be a tricky game. That's like the that could be it. Yeah. The Nebraska's they're much improved. That is a rivalry game. What do they? I think they they play for a giant husk of corn or something. But um, so so at first it's glance, it's a giant brisket, <laughs> a giant brisket, or you know a prize cow or something. They, um, I mean, at first glance, the the remaining schedule doesn't look that tough. But there could be some tricky, tricky games there for Iowa to, to navigate. Um, all right. So I think it's Penn State. Paige, you think it's Michigan State. Chad, you think it's Michigan. I think all three of those are legit uh, worrisome games for we Ohio State. You should put State. a wager on that. What's the wager? What's the wager? Uh, yeah. A gentleman's bet. A gentleman's uh, bet. We can, we'll we figure can, out what the- We'll figure it out uh, offline. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, listen, guys, we are, <laughs> we're at about an hour 20. This has been a great effort. I want to ask- one last question, you guys, then I'm going to get get you out of here. Gun to your head. Who makes the playoff? Give me your four. Paige, go. Ohio State, Georgia, um, shit, I wasn't ready for this. Ohio State, Georgia, who else is good? No one else is good. I mean, you got Oklahoma out there who's managed no, to stay alive. You got good. Bama they're, they're, sitting there with one loss. You've got yeah. 
Cincinnati, who some people are enamored with. No. I'm going to, okay. So my Georgia, Bama, Buckeyes, Cincinnati. Cincy. Chad? Damn it, Paige. That's who I was going to say because, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, Bama's not, I don't, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. But, like, I, I tell you what, I, I believe Cincinnati's legit, man. That quarterback is is good. And, and Fickle, man, like, I've listened to him on a couple interviews. That guy is good, dude. He's he's legit. So you, so, you believe in I, Cincy, I mean, I, okay. I, I yeah, I believe in Cynthia, and you know, I, I don't. I honestly think that like TCU might even like upset Oklahoma Saturday night. Yeah, but uh, I, I mean, I don't want to like you know be carbon copy, but I'm gonna have to go with my boy Van Gummy on that. There one. you go, buddy. Cool. <laughs> hey, brilliant minds think alike. <laughs> yeah, I like I like two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams uh, at this juncture: Georgia, Bama. I think Bama edges Georgia in a classic SEC title game. They both sit in there with one loss. We know the SEC is going to get the benefit of the doubt. They're in. Ohio State, Iowa square off in a in a classic Big Ten title game. We know those that game's probably going to be close. I mean, I I think we should let let go of any uh, illusions of another fifty nine nothing Big Ten title game because every Big Ten title game Ohio State has played in since has been actually pretty competitive. And uh, I think Ohio State would go into that game pretty diminished from playing Michigan State and Michigan, as I've already mentioned. Ohio State goes in with one loss. They edge out an undefeated Iowa. And I think all four of those teams make the playoff field. That's where I, that's how things wow, look to me like right now. I just don't think Cincinnati is going to have the schedule. And while I think there are some nice pieces there, Fickles and Ohio State guy, I'm just not a big believer in Cincinnati. I'm just not. I was at that game two years ago in the shoe. We beat them 42 nothing. That was a good Cincy team. That team won 11 games. They did not belong on the same field as Ohio State. And I can't help but that image that day, that three and a half hours uh, that day, I just can't erase that from my from my memory when it comes to Cincinnati. And, and maybe that's not fair, but I, I just, and they just don't have the schedule. I, I just wouldn't think they deserve to get in over some of these Wait other Wait a minute. Did you, just, did you just say Ohio State and Iowa? I did. Do do you really think Iowa is the second best team in the country? Do you really do, do you think they're a top eight uh, team? No, I, I don't. Their defense is like as good, almost like they're just below Georgia. Uh, the defense uh, is great. The defense is great, but I'm looking at that remaining schedule, which we've all just discussed. That there are some game, tricky games in there they have to navigate, but one would expect they'll be favored to win those games and probably will win those games. They're undefeated 12 and 0 going into the big 10 title game. They get edged out by an Ohio state team who everybody believes is, you know, one of the the, the top three programs in the country. I think they, I think they, they put Iowa in and I think Oklahoma is going to lose a game or two games before the end. Of well, the year. they've been playing with fire. I, I know they, they, you know, they had yeah. the young freshman quarterback step in. It looks like they're going to have a quarterback switch there and maybe they'll be better because of it. But um, so two things I remember reading about that guy, that guy's the real deal. Yeah. That Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, so yeah. Caleb Williams. He, yeah. He could, he could make them formidable. And the other question I was going to ask, but I think we were kind of getting there anyways, is what is the team that we need to lose the most? I think it's Oklahoma. Yeah. Like we were, I was, we were rooting hard for Texas to win that game. Um, but what if Oklahoma runs the table and they're undefeated yeah. and because they made that quarterback switch and that guy is, good so th that to me is the one flying the ointment 
that we need to be concerned about or the team that we need to be rooting for the hardest to lose. So let's play this out. Right now you've got Georgia, Iowa, Cincy, Oklahoma. They're one through four in the AP poll. You got Bama at five, Ohio State at six. You know, let's assume the college football playoff committee is going to arrive at, at basically that same setup. I think it's probably likely that they will. Uh, you've got Ohio State and Iowa would would play each other. So there'd be an opportunity there for Ohio State to prevail over an undefeated, uh, you know, uh, Big Ten opponent in, in the Big Ten title game. You've got Georgia and Bama would be playing each other. I don't think Cincy's going to have the resume. I think as the season goes along, they're going to get dropped in the rankings by the playoff committee. And then you've got Oklahoma there. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, have Oklahoma lose a couple times, great. Get them out of the way, fine by me. But I think Ohio State gets in regardless of what happens with Oklahoma. Assuming they run the table. Yes, well, right, run the table. I mean, if Ohio State loses again, I mean, yeah, no, no two-loss yeah, team has ever made the field. They're done, more than likely. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean- Can I say one thing here about something that you guys know that I am so passionate about and our listeners know that how much like, do you know how much joy that I get every time that I look at the, the college football polls and fucking Davo? They're not even right. <laughs> it yeah. is the best thing it's in beautiful, the world isn't it? to me. Oh, God. I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. It is actually pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, the, a the ACC, like. What a disaster. Just, I mean, they should have to stop playing football. They should be relegated. Can we relegate? Yeah, we can relegate them to basketball. I'm all for it. Yeah, it's, it's an it's an embarrassment. You know, pa shit. Paige, you make a good you make a good observation about Oklahoma. They've been playing with fire most of the season, but that's largely because of the the quarterback play, inconsistent Quarter, quarterback yes. play. I think they've been, they're much better on defense than they've been typically. Although you wouldn't know it from last week's result in the Red River Shootout, but. You might be right. Caleb Williams might be kind of the the panacea for what ails them. Yeah, uh, and they they could be you know a legit top four team, and and no one's going to want to play them. Well, and, and we we talked about the, the beautiful thing is it truly doesn't matter if a high state wins out and you know goes to the Big Ten championship and wins. There's no way they're not making the playoffs. So it really doesn't matter. The, then the question is what happens in Bama, Georgia, and right. then if Oklahoma wins out, I think clearly that's your fourth team. You could make an argument for Oregon, I guess, perhaps if they went out because they did win the head-to-head, -head, but ACC is completely out of the picture. Yeah. So the odd man out in that scenario is clearly Cincy if they run the table, which they should because they don't – I mean, I think they play Canton McKinley, then Akron Hoban, Matt <laughs> yeah. the Bell Prix, Prairie Dogs, and then a few <laughs> other teams, and then we're you know, they're going to be 12-0. Yeah. Right, Johnny? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> – yeah, I agree with you. Uh, they're, since his schedule is ultimately going to doom them. And you know what? The other so thing I'll bad. say about the field, there's no one out there really scares me. Like, I, Bama doesn't scare me. They can be had. Even Georgia, as well as they played, I know their defense is all world and they've got NFL guys all over that defense, but I, I don't think, I think their offense is okay. It's fine. But mm -hmm. I, I don't think there isn't an LSU, a 2019 LSU in the field. There isn't a 2020 Bama. I think of all the teams that compare more, you know, most favorably to those two teams, it might be Ohio State because of their offense. I know a lot of people are looking at Georgia now because they're undefeated. They're in the SEC and they've got a great defense. But statistically speaking, and no one's really paying attention to this yet, what Ohio State's doing on offense 
is on par with some of the greatest offenses that we've ever seen in the modern era. I'll take my chances with that offense and an improving Ohio State defense. It has a lot of talent and it's going to continue to get better. I, I I love where we where we are and and I'm nobody in the field scares me relative to what we have nobody. It's very reminiscent to the the 2014 or 15 team, right? It, I think so. Go, go, just forget about us. Let us figure our stuff out, and then all of a sudden, oh my God, they have Joey Bosa on that team, yeah. Zeke's on that team, right? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I it, you can. I mean, like we said, Zach. I think losing and like, you know, it, it really, it sucked. It was like one of the worst days I've had in a couple of years. Paige and I had a great weekend, but I mean, <laughs> I think it may have been the best thing that could have happened to us. I, I think, I think we can definitely say that if Ohio state runs the table and they reach all their goals, you know, if they lose again, we might say, damn it, we lost that winnable game to Oregon. And if we lose this one that we, now we, you know, we can't afford this loss where maybe we could have bounced back, but no, I agree with you. I think, the reason that loss was beneficial was uh, we saw it under the Meyer era, right? Where something's broken. We know it's broken, uh, but Ohio State continues to eke out wins in spite of this fatal flaw. So they don't make the change. They don't really truly address the issue. And then, uh, you know, they don't address it until they lose a game they can't afford to lose and it's too late. We saw that in 2015, right? That 2015 team just eked along. There were all kinds of issues with the offensive play calling and they couldn't just figure out the quarterback situation. And, you know, they didn't fix it till it was too damn late. They lose at home to Michigan State and what second to last game of the regular season. And by then it's too late. Then they make the changes. They eviscerate Michigan the next week. They kill Notre Dame in the bowl game. And we're all left, you know, thinking about what could have been had they only made that change earlier in the season. I know Doug Lee Maurice talks about that year. And if you guys remember, we were in a really, you know, harrowing tight game with Indiana on the road that season. Indiana was lining up to tie the game, you know, with like three seconds left. They were on the high state 10 yard line or something like that. I say ekes out that win. Lee Maurice said that season, Ohio State, it would have been better if they'd have lost that game. And I remember a lot of people were giving him shit about that, but his point was exactly the point I'm making. Like they would have addressed the issues then because they could have afforded to lose that game. Um, and, and they didn't, and they waited too late. So that I think is the benefit that we're seeing now with the loss to Oregon. They got their shit together. They made the changes they needed to make in time when it really mattered. And then at the end of the day, the most important thing in college football, if you're going to lose, lose early, lose early, lose early. And, lo- and, and then the added benefit is lose to somebody halfway decent, yeah. maybe good or halfway decent. You can recover. And so they, they made the, ch- like you said, they made the changes, but it was early enough in the season that they can work their way back into the conversation, which clearly they have done. What happens if Oregon wins out? They get their shit together and start playing well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we <didn't even> talk <laughs> about that. I mean, they're behind us in the AP poll. And I think also the coaches poll. I know the AP poll for sure. We don't know how the playoff committee is going to see Oregon. But if I know they've been dealing with some injuries. What if they get their shit together? you know, run through the rest of the Pac-12 schedule. They're sitting there with this huge win over Ohio State on the road. That could be a problem with that. You want to talk about a team that we need to lose. Let's let's, let's have Oregon lose, please. Yeah. One more time. Totally. Yeah, that's the other one. And <laughs> that's an argument, right? Head to head matters. Oh. And the people and I, I tend to think Ohio State, if well, it depends how we, you know, play, you know, each of us play and how dominant we are. But mm-hmm. do you want the best team playing the best football at the moment or does the head most to head deserving. matter? And this right, is, yeah. yeah. 
that's why, you know, Mandel and Pat Forty have jobs to sit here and argue about this stuff because people lose their minds over that kind of argument. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, if I were a duck fan, uh, you know, no, I, you got an argument. You got an argument. You got an argument for sure. Yeah. All right, boys. Hey, that was a great effort. 90 minutes. I think we made up for some lost time. It's a record. Those it's lo- a South Stands record. <laughs> those lost episodes we didn't record. Yeah, was, we that packed that them all sad. in today. We, um, we probably have two listeners at this point. Like, Jesus, guys, end it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fellas. Well, hey, listen. Uh, thanks thank- for making it happen, brother. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for making the time. Uh, we'll do this again. I'm not sure when, but we'll do it again for sure. And have a great night, boys. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.